0: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, this is the Spoken Edition of Wired. Right to Repair is now a national issue. By Nathan Proctor. Right to Repair just basically says, hey guys, you got to make the information and the parts available. Elizabeth Warren on All In with Chris Hayes. March 27, 2019. Our work to help people fix their stuff reached a milestone last week when U.S. Senator Elizabeth Warren, D. Massachusetts, called for right-to-repair to to support farmers struggling with growing antitrust issues in agriculture. Warren has raised right-to-repair to a new level of national prominence. It's a big moment for those of us who have been sounding the alarm on how companies have been placing obstacles in the way of repair and the resulting hassle, cost, and environmental damage. I would like to claim that somehow our organizing efforts, led by iFixit, Repair.org, and USPIRG, brought us to this moment. But the best organizing done to support right-to-repair is done by our opponents. When they put their customers through the ringer to get stuff fixed, it creates an enthusiasm, beyond what even the most compelling opinion column could produce. Frankly, if you hear the stories of people struggling to deal with the deluge of unfixable products, you understand why there have been 20 states with active right-to-repair bills so far in 2019. If you ask me, these stories are why the issue has entered the national policy debate. Stories like what happened to Nebraska farmer Kyle Schwarning, whose John Deere combine malfunctioned and couldn't be fixed by Schwarning himself, because the equipment was designed with a software lock that only an authorized John Deere service technician could access. Schwarting could have taken the machine to an official John Deere shop, but that would mean paying thousands of dollars to load the tractor on a flatbed truck and haul it to the dealership, all while the window for harvest was closing. So, yeah, Kyle Schwarting wants a right to repair his combine. To save his livelihood, he had to hack the software, something the U.S. Office of Copyright decided he had every right to do. In a move that further frustrated its customers, John Deere argued to the Copyright Office against that right, claiming that people like Schwarting don't fully own the tractors they have bought. They use the equipment under an implied license for the life of the vehicle to operate the vehicle. Tom Schwars, fifth-generation farmer and right-to-repair advocate, laughed at this suggestion, saying in an on-point radio segment where we appeared together, We pay personal property taxes on all our equipment. So when my wife sits down and writes those checks out, I haven't noticed John Deere putting any money into that. Having a company you purchased a $500,000 piece of equipment from argued that you don't really own the equipment has the effect of recruiting a few new right-to-repair supporters. It's not only farmers who have repair horror stories. Many of us know the story of Battery Gate or Throttle Gate, which resulted in quite a few right-to-repair converts. In December 2017, at the height of holiday shopping season, Apple users discovered that a software update was throttling phone's processors if it detected the battery was worn down. After some public blowback, Apple offered to replace those older batteries at a reduced price at Apple stores. But with such high demand, long waiting lists formed. Some customers faced an additional obstacle. They lived hours away from the nearest Apple store. Meanwhile, Apple does not make its original replacement batteries available to anyone but their small number of authorized locations. If you didn't want to wait a few months to get a phone that wasn't slow or buggy, you would have to swap the battery out with a replacement part not made by Apple. Until Apple reversed its policy just a few weeks ago, replacing the battery with a third-party substitute would result in Apple refusing to service the phone entirely. Our report, Recharge Repair, found that third-party shops still saw a 37% increase in battery replacement in the five weeks after the scandal broke. Because people just wanted their phones fixed. After that mess, right-to-repair saw a pretty big surge in support. Every day, I hear stories about a dishwasher that died right after the warranty ended, or people getting quoted a repair cost that's more than replacing the whole appliance or device. Device after device, hassle after hassle. All that unfixable stuff doesn't disappear when we are forced to replace it. It piles up. Electronic waste is the fastest growing part of our waste stream. It is often toxic and poses grave health risks. The increase in this kind of waste is fed both by the growing numbers of products with electronics in them and the shrinking lifespan of those products. A 2015 study found that the propagation of all units sold to replace a defective appliance grew from 3.5% in 2004 to 8.3% in 2012, in what researchers deemed a remarkable increase. I'm excited to see right-to-repair become a national issue and part of a major candidate's platform, and its resonance for consumers won't go away until companies stop selling us easily breakable stuff, and then trying to block us from fixing it. Hey guys, just give us the parts and information so we can fix stuff. If it seems like too much to ask, we can stick to demanding it. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines.